Do you like to be the first name of your sex tape? Well, if you like to be the first to listen to podcasts, you might want to check out our Patreon because now we're offering a brand new membership tier called Name of Your Sex Tape. I couldn't help it, guys. I'm sorry. For five pounds a month, you'll get an ad-free version of our weekly episode on a Tuesday, a full day earlier than its usual release. So you can be the very first to talk about how funny our guest was, how quickly you cracked the case, or how badly I answered a question. Plus, you'll get all the benefits of our regular tier, including our live Zoom records, a special shout out on the podcast, and if you really like to hear us talk, we've got an entire back catalog of extra content. Check it out on patreon.com forward slash drunk women solving crime. Name of your sex tape. Name of your sex tape. Name of your sex tape. Fancy coming along to see Drunk Women Solving Crime live? Ooh, yes please. Why not join us for our monthly London residency at the marvellous Museum of Comedy? We've got monthly shows through to June. Plus, every show is a double header, so you get to see us record not one, but two episodes with two fantastic guests. You can find tickets on our website, drunkwomensolvingcrime.com. Shows are selling out fast, so be quick. Noise. Noise. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Drunk women Drunk Women Solving Crime. My name's Katie Wilkins and I'm an author and comedian. I'm joined by screenwriter Hannah George. Hello. And writer-comedian Taylor Glenn. Hello. This is where Brandy meets bludgeoning, Mimosa meets misdemeanour and Port meets prostitution. It's a true crime podcast with a twist of lime. Coming up on Drunk Women Solving Crime. I think I'd have drawn a massive cock and balls. Of course you'd kill the Yankees. You probably meant to kill her first. But she was so hardy. Have you done a poo today? <laughs> <laughs> Taylor, Taylor, what are bangs in America? Fringe. They're fringe. Well, why not say fringe? Cheers! <laughs> <laughs> Cross Fern Britain. Now it's time for drunk women solving crime. Welcome to Drunk Women Solving Crime. We are recording this on lockdown day 1,073 and we are joined by the fantastic presenter and author Fern Britton. Holy shit. You're very kind. You're very kind. We're so excited. (laughs) Me too. Me too. I've never actually, you know, been able to do a a legitimate broadcast wet. Uh, Wet? Pissed. (laughs) Sorry, pissed. I'm already gone. <laughs> the other kind of wet. Well, I need to. I don't think I had enough um, HRT this morning, but anyway, carry on. Yeah. 
Well, without further ado, Fern, have you ever been the victim of a crime? Yes. A very serious crime against magic. Oh. What? Yes. I mean, this is quite shocking. It is criminal. Um, so a long time ago when I was doing this morning, we had, there were two magicians. They came on in separate incidents, but I shall tell them both. Okay. And first one was a man who came in saying that he was going to m read our minds. Okay. And we met beforehand, you know, everyone arrives in the green room and has a croissant, a cup of tea, and then you <laughs> trot into makeup. And then I was sitting in my dressing room, just getting ready, really. And he knocked on my door and I said, oh, come in. And in he came. Very famous magician. I cannot tell you his name. Uh, but he came in and he said, oh, look, I tell you what, can I just set something up for the program? Because what I'm going to do is mind read you. <laughs> oh, fantastic. I mean, it was at the time when I was easily fooled and believed everything. Nowadays, mm -mm. anyway, so I said, yeah, of course. And he said, okay, what I want you to do is draw just a very simple little drawing and then send it to my brain and I will pick it up and I will reproduce that drawing on air to show mm -hmm. that I did it. I said, okay. Mm. He said, I what I want you to do, have you got pencil and paper? I said, no. And he said, oh, here you are. I've got a pad of paper here. So he gave me his pad of paper <laughs> and I started to draw. And he said, I just want it very simple. And he was already at the other side of the room, turned, not facing me, nowhere near mirrors or reflections. And he stood holding his head with his eyes closed. And he said, just now, just draw something very, very simple, very simple. <laughs> And send it to me, send it to me. I think I'm getting something. Yes, I think I'm just send it a bit more strongly, a bit more. And I'm sitting there going, oh, yes, this is great, isn't it? Yeah. And I drew, you know, you, what would you draw? I think it was like a daisy or a house, like a child would draw, you know. And then he said, now, I'm not going to look at that piece of paper. What I want you to do now is fold it in, in four, put it somewhere safe. So I put it down my bra, very safe. <laughs> Very Classic. safe. Yeah, of course. And uh, next to the lipstick and the phone and all of those things. <laughs> As we do, don't we? Anyway, he said, OK, and I'm not looking. I said, no, he, he wasn't looking. He really was on the other side of the room and not looking at anything. And then he, he went to leave and he went, oh, can I just have my pad of paper back? I said, oh, yes, I gave him his paper. And then off he went. And then two seconds later, there was a hammering on my dressing room door. And the makeup lady came and she went, has he been here? And I said, what do you mean? Mr. X, and she said, <laughs> yes, has he been in? I said, oh, yes. You haven't drawn on his pad, have you? I said, yes. She said, carbon paper. Oh, oh that's what he did. Oh. And so an hour and a half later, when his slot was on on the programme, and Philip had drawn him a thing as well, and Philip and I were both sitting there so angry <laughs> <laughs> to have been duped in this manner. And so he, this guy's going, okay, now, you know, beforehand set up, you did a drawing, blah, blah, blah. Okay, now I'm going to get my pen and paper and I'm going to draw what I think you sent me. And he drew the picture I sent him. And he said, now let's see yours. And I pulled it out of my bra and I went, yeah. And he went, Is that, that's, that's mind reading. And I went, yeah. Yes. Well, how amazing. Thank you very much. For the podcast listeners, fans literally gritted her teeth yes. at this moment. <laughs> I mean, that is criminal, isn't it? But worse than that, yeah. another one came on. Yeah. He's, the one I just told you about is an A-lister. The next oh, one who God. came on was a C-lister. Nice. And he came on. Love a bit of C-list magic. Oh, so, <laughs> you know, guests would arrive 
and leave during a commercial break. So this oh. guy arrived in the commercial break and he sat down and we all went, hey, hi, hi, how are you? And, you know, that all your new series looks good and what time's it on and all that stuff. <laughs> and then just as the music was starting to take us back to the studio, he suddenly leant forward and he said, oh, Philip, lend me your watch. So ooh, this is going to be exciting. So <laughs> Philip took his watch off and gave it to him. And we did the interview and it was long enough for us to have forgotten about the watch. Yeah. And then we said, goodbye and thank you so much and good luck. It's on tonight, nine o'clock, whatever he was doing. And then he went, oh, hang on, put his hand in his pocket, took the watch out, gave it to Philip and said, I believe this is your watch. Oh, my God. And, and he was so lucky that we all went, oh, amazing. How incredible. <laughs> And then a year later, another magician came on the show and I was telling him about this charlatan who'd done this trick with the watch. And he said, that was me. Oh my God, amazing. But anyway, these men, these men need to be held in front of a court. Wouldn't be a jury in the land who wouldn't send them down. No, they are con men, con men. Criminals. Do you guys, I mean, you guys do know that magic isn't real. I mean, like... Well, yes, but you want it to appear magic, don't you? Not just, yeah. oh, bloody hell, I could have done that myself. Yeah, yeah. there are supposed to feel ways. magical, not like yes. you've been ripped off. No, yes. I want something Carbon that paper I... paper is lame. That is lame. Lame and lazy. And like, also, they like that watch thing, especially, it made it sound like he'd somehow managed to steal it, but actually he'd literally been given it off camera. When I was very young, I don't know if people do this anymore, but they, they used to, you know, take people's braces off and their trousers would suddenly fall down and all of those yeah. things. I mean, now that is clever. Although, presumably, <laughs> the man who had the braces taken off was actually a stooge. But hey, that's fine. It looked good. Yeah. Nobody was harmed. Nobody was harmed. We were harmed. I am carrying so, this. The, this is, the American here forgot what braces meant for a second. Oh, and, I thought, you know, and I was like, they took off their braces. Ouch. Yeah, yeah. No, not the braces. Yeah, they were orthodontists gone wrong. I'm with you. Trouser suspenders, is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Oh, by the way, a bit of culture. Bangs. Just adding now, a bit of culture. Taylor, Taylor, what are bangs in America? Fringe. Oh, no, we're, we say bangs. Yeah, but what are they? They're fringe. Well, why not say fringe? <laughs> I mean, she arrived with her hair in bangs. You think, what? What the hell has happened? Fern, we love guns. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. And that's another thing. <laughs> that's another thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I did I not expect um, this to get political so soon. Was, who would have thought that the magic stories would turn into a little gun control trick? <laughs> I am as appalled as I can imagine you are. Do you know what's what's horrible about it? It's just they were both relying on you to be nice and to do yes. good television and play along when you yeah. must have been so, like, the things that you'd want to say. Yeah. Well, we'd like to hear those probably, Katie, wouldn't we? <laughs> uh, uh -huh. Well, uh, we were furious. But, I mean, they just put all their money on black and hoped and we yeah. fell for it, suckers. Cross with ourselves, <laughs> let alone the guys. Mm. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't give me any of that. Oh, I've moved the Empire State Building. No, you haven't. You used carbon paper, yeah. assholes. <laughs> and then you told everyone to pretend they didn't know you had carbon paper. <laughs> I mean, obviously, it has to be big for the Empire State Building, but you know, there's a lot of carbon paper, but still. 
Yes. <laughs> Outrageous. I really, I really deeply, end. deeply pissed us off. I tell you that. Yeah. I would just. I think I'd have like drawn a massive cock and balls. That's what I'd have done to really. Oh, that like, would have been, that, that would get him, really wouldn't it? With him because he'd have to try and draw it. <laughs> or I'll just draw them like, on his face. Well, you know what? You've kind of answered this. We always get people to say, "What would you say if you had the perp in the room now? You can say the anything perp. you want. There's nothing they can do. What would you say to them, or do to them?" No, I would just look at them very calmly. I'd have both of them in front of my desk and I'd say to them, you have thoroughly disappointed me, the public and yourselves. (laughs) That's the most damning one we've ever had. That is brutal. That is brilliant. I feel ashamed and I haven't even done anything. Yeah. That's a, that's a great skill you have, yeah. Fern. They are going to be so ashamed. And so they should be. Yeah. Cheers oh to God. that. Cheers yes. to that. Cheers. Cheers. Cross Fern Britain. Now it's time for drunk women solving crime. So now we move on to the portion of the podcast where we are going to discuss a true crime. Now this is a serious crime that happens to a wealthy family. So first question, where do we think this is? My mind automatically went to the US. Okay. Well, it's either the White House or Buckingham Palace. Okay, okay. (laughs) Yeah. How wealthy are these people if we're talking super wealthy? That's a good question. Okay. It could be Monaco because they've got a... Is it Monaco? They've got a royal family, so it could be... They do, yeah. Yeah, are they like Darren Brown wealthy? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or like succession wealthy <laughs> so your guess is just to recap america buckingham palace or the white house and then monaco none of you are correct yes now buckingham <laughs> palace is the closest but oh. it's still very far away we are in croydon <laughs> okay oh the wealthy families of croydon i'm gonna yeah. I, I might have to take some notes here oh, <laughs> in that case i bet you it's kate moss Nice guess, nice guess. Yeah, do what? not do not judge Croydon, guys. But uh, it is not Kate Moss. So I'm going to tell you about the first death. There are multiple deaths. I don't want to give too much away, but it, this case contains drama. Right, the first thing. One Edmund Duff is his name, like Duff Man, if that helps you remember, because there's going to be a few names. Oh, um, I'll write it down. Hang on. <laughs> I think she's only the second guest to take notes. Jenny Eclair was... The yeah. first, and I've been disappointed in everybody since because nobody ever takes notes. So <laughs> this is great. So Edmund Duff. Edmund Duff is the first victim. He returns from a fishing trip to his wife Grace Ooh. in Croydon. He seems fine and in good health, but later that night, as he's going to bed, he starts to feel very sick. His Ooh. wife described him as looking green. And he described his own symptoms as being similar to being inoculated for bubonic plague in India. So question, what year is this? Do we know our plagues? I pretty much only know, I know stuff about COVID-19. That is about it. That's like, Um, loads about that. Bubonic plague. And he was, he was inoculated for something. He was inoculated and it was um, because he had to go to India. When did the plague have a resurgence? I reckon it wasn't the first plague, but that... Also, bu- bubonic yeah, the, plague. The comeback. Bubonic two. Is the different to previous plagues. Like, also, 
I don't want to give you too many clues, but inoculations. Relatively new. Yeah. Like, like not that new, but still comparatively. Would this 1898. I was going to say like 19, oh, 1914 or something. So we have 1898. We have 1914. Hannah George. I'm going to go 1712 because I Ooh. don't know anything about um, okay. uh, anything In really. In that case, Fern is the closest. Yes. Well done. Um, <laughs> the year now is 1928, but he had his inoculation several years before. So it could in have seventeen. Been, it could have no. been nineteen. <laughs> it could have been nineteen fourteen. But yeah. So well Those were done. Some great inoculations. He's three hundred years old. <laughs> Honestly, and well done to any inoculation buffs at home that also guessed that correctly. So he starts being sick, and the next day he's not any better. He doesn't want to kiss the baby. Uh, good instincts, I think. There, uh, they have three kids <laughs> by. <laughs> by three no because you know you're on a passive ebonic plague symptoms to the baby i'm just picturing him trying but then like retching like oh yeah yeah babies are always less attractive with with boils on their faces <laughs> it's true it's true it really it ruins their, their well photos. hr geiger baby it's a niche joke but at least five people will enjoy it so it's good <laughs> Um, by 3pm the next day he's complaining of uh, pain in his feet and saying that he can't get warm so a doctor is called question what does the doctor say is happening he says you're a whiny bitch (laughs) (laughs) kiss your damn baby and get on with your day is that right that is not correct and I, no. I didn't hear what Fern said what did you say Fern? well I think he just said you've got cold feet get some socks got, got, he prescribed socks very good <laughs> Hannah George <laughs> that is like the um your mum isn't it when you say to your mum like when I was a kid it was always just take two paracetamol no matter what it was it's like mum I've broken yeah. my leg two paracetamol um so oh, it man. could be I always had an extra one if ever I said to my mum I've got a stomach ache she'd always say have you done a poo today <laughs> <laughs> I've done seven. I'm really ill, Mum. <laughs> I always said to my children when they came with, you know, spurious symptoms, and I'd go, I'd listen very carefully, and then go, hmm, we'll keep an eye on that. Yeah, and you know, magically, because they thought, thank God, someone's paying attention. Yeah. It went in ten minutes. It was gone. They just want to feel listened to. Yes. Yeah. Just a bid for attention. That's all it is. And that's basically kind of what this doctor thought too. So Taylor wasn't very far off. But Ooh, the doctor, so he was dismissive of his He was his dismissive. He poo-pooed it. He mm. puts it down to a liver complaint and he prescribes a flask of whiskey. <laughs> wow. I miss the days where a liver complaint warranted <laughs> like the a little exact- bit of booze thing that's killing it it's like you've broken your toe let me fix it with a hammer that's amazing (laughs) i had a liver problem during pregnancy which made me chronically itchy it was a nightmare like i had to scratch myself with a tangle teaser and i couldn't sleep like it was ridiculous but i wish somebody had said like just have a bit of whiskey yeah i really wish that had been the advice like okay we need these 1928 doctors to make a resurgence so question does the whiskey do the trick if no. the trick is to kill him, then yes, it did do the trick. <laughs> it does not make him better. Later that night, he can no longer speak. A husband that can't speak. Ah, oh, sorry. 
Have some more whiskey, darling. I know. And because he's, cause he's Edmund Duff, all I can picture is Duff Man can't breathe. Yeah, come on, Mr. Duff. <laughs> so, so he can't the, speak. Yeah, he can't speak. The doctor comes back and tries to administer some tea this time, which is a bit of a step down. He's got excruciating stomach pains. Um, I just like also it just feels like medicine is like IT now it's like try turning it off again have you tried whiskey yeah have you tried tea have you tried whiskey again like it's just <laughs> nonsense it is um, so he dies in agony of excruciating stomach pain that night now this death was initially recorded as natural however Ooh. something happened that made everyone have to reconsider this verdict question what happened did he just need a big poo <laughs> Yeah. Katie's mum was right. If only my mum was there to ask him in very loudly in public if he needed a pee. <laughs> well, it, it's not some just an extreme form of man flu, is it? <laughs> no, definitely. It's a genuine and it's a proper trigger as to why you would reconsider his death. I love it if you could get inoculated for man flu. That would be great. <laughs> oh, that would kill so many. <laughs> marriage issues perhaps I feel like the only thing that's going to make them question is if somebody else dies ding ding similar ding symptoms. yes Ooh. you are correct Taylor Glenn well done um, Taylor Glenn <laughs> I'm second naming everybody in this episode so yes so basically there were more deaths similar circumstances excruciating stomach pains in the same family uh-huh. um, and all the real men? cause of death no they're not all men actually we will get to this. Turns out to be poison. Eventually, after I'm gonna, I'm gonna flip forward and then flip back. So basically, poison. Post mortems eventually get ordered, uh, and the bodies, when they're dug up, they're all chock full of arsenic. Um, oh, a classic. Yes. So this is the famous case of the Sydney family poisoning. Dum dum dum. And it is a real doozy, you guys. How did the arsenic get into them? That's what we want to know, yeah? Yes, that is what we want to know, Fern. So he wasn't (laughs) painting or licking pencils or anything like that, was he? No. I mean, somebody might try to argue that. But no, I will give you a little bit more information. Between April 1928 and March 1929, three people from the same wealthy South Croydon family died in mysterious circumstances. I want to give you guys a caveat now. This is a really interesting and complex case with drama, intrigue and many suspects and it will genuinely be impossible to do it justice. I will do my best and also this case was suggested by my agent Susie Genvy. So I just want to say a big shout out to Susie Genvy. Hi Susie Genvy. <laughs> Hi Susie. And I'm sorry I'm butchering this case because I have to do it fast. So the Sydney family tree, this is the information part because there's just slightly too many names that it's comfortable to try and memorise when we've all had a drink. So this is a very close-knit family. The mother, the matriarch, is called Violet. She's elderly. She is, I mean, whatever. She's divorced against her will, and she's very Mm. proper, very old-fashioned, very strict. Now, she has three large adult children. Large? (laughs) Large? I I just wanted to do that large adult sons thing. But they're, two of them are girls, so they're not large adult sons. She's got three large adult children. We've just got one large adult son. So does that, does that mean they're big? No, it's just like what like the Trump children get called, you know, like my large adult sons that can't deal with their own lives. Have you guys heard the expression large adult sons? Never. Trump. No. Me neither. Taylor, you're American. Does Trump call them 
his large oh, no, children. No, he doesn't call them that. Sorry, it's a diss. It's other people call them that. No, it's I've like, never heard it. I feel so out of the loop. They're really thick and right. terrible, and okay. they are not proper adults, so they get okay. called by large Sorry, adult so sons. They've got, will, she's got kids that are grown up, and they're dicks. Yeah. She's, <laughs> she's got three children. She has Grace, who is married to the guy that's just died. Ah, uh, yes. She has... To Hilary Duff. Okay, I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> she's got um, Tom, who is married to an American wife called Margaret. Ew. Tom. Now, Margaret. now Tom wants to be an actor in Hollywood. Oh shit! Um, and him and his wife are getting disheartened with Croydon life because they want all their their gigs. Yeah. Are, the gigs are local. They want to go to Hollywood and have a big ass life. Croydon is the Hollywood of London. I know. I They've know. They've got an Arndale Centre. Come on. <laughs> I mean, these people don't know they're born. But so that's their issues. And then Vera, who's 40, she's the oldest daughter of Violet. She is now, the source material says that she is a spinster by choice. Um, or as we would it's know. not her choice. Hey. <laughs> oh. She this might is actually thing. not prefer men. Oh my God, right. Fran. Literally, she is almost definitely gay. The way they describe she's rich enough she has evaded marriage on purpose and she has close female friendships she plays bridge you guys i don't want to stereotype <laughs> she goes on brisk walks according to my source material oh boy <laughs> you know what if you go on brisk walks you're a spinster whether it's by choice or not mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing more unladylike so- they all live very close together so vera and violet live together she helps look after her mum. the other two are married but they live on parallel streets so they all live on bird well vera and violet live on birdhurst rise tom and grace separate but they live very close by so they they see each other every day they visit each other they're very close geographically and apparently emotionally now, Violet's the matriarch's ex-husband, Thomas Sidney, is a prominent barrister, and he abandoned Violet and the children when they were small. Ugh. And he ran off with his brother's sister-in-law. Because drama, you guys. I told you there was drama. Wow. Um, so Violet, the matriarch, is very bitter. She absolutely West Croydon hussy, right? I mean, like, yeah. And I don't know what that means. So she hates that dude, but she's very close to her three kids. Um, so as we know the first person to die is Edmund Duff he was married to Violet's daughter Grace now the Violet very famously disliked her daughter Grace's husband question why do we think that was so he's the one that died yes and matriarch Violet hates was he not not good enough for her in like societal terms like was he a working class lad kind of thing that's a good guess. Any advance on that? Well, a kind of neuro riche. Was he, was he a tin miner or something and picking up uh-huh. arsenic in the mines? Interesting. Very good as well. Oh, yeah. Ugh. Did, did she marry for love? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I do not know what she married for, but you're all quite close. The main reason is that he was friends with the ex-husband. Oh, oh, her ex-husband. Yes. Um, and also, if you were looking for a good reason too, this dude is 17 years older than Grace. Oh. Um, wow. Not that that's a crime, Hannah George. <laughs> like I, can talk I was going to say, my, my fiancé is 15 years older than me. So. I know. I have a 13-year age gap, but 
Whatever. Fine. There's a power imbalance. It's not the same. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, doesn't yeah, age differences. It, I used to, um, I had a Cornish friend who was like my mother and she used to say to me, I'd rather be an old man's darling than a young man's fool. Ooh. Yes. That's very good. Wise words. I like that. I like that. It's good, isn't it? There's absolutely nothing wrong with it unless it's like an underage situation. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the thing is, they did get married young in those days. Is murder involved here? Is it actually murder? Can't answer me that yet. Okay. So it looks like... It looks like Violet went around killing these people and accidentally they all had it at a dinner party and everyone else drank Mm. the wine or whatever and they all killed each other. Yeah, buffet. Hold that thought. Hold that thought. That's basically... I'm going to try and whiz through some of this stuff because basically, yeah, (laughs) ferns onto onto it. One of us has got to take this seriously, for heaven's sake. (laughs) (laughs) They're not not even writing anything down. I know, I know. Um, So the other thing is, this guy, he's a... So he's friends with the guy, so he's a barrister, but he's a retired barrister. He's, as I can't remember which one of you said it now, but he is not as rich as them. They are living a much lower quality of life than the rest of the rich family. Ah. Also, old man, poor pants. I'm with you. Mm. Old man, poor pants. Yes. <laughs> That's what I call my fiancé. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> and um, also, he could be crude, argumentative, and he frittered away what money he had. What a catch. Mm. Also, it was said he drank too much beer. But like, that was prescription for his acne. Like, that yeah, was just the doctor right, at the time. It was medicinal beer. <laughs> and um, hang on, when you say argumentative, he was a barrister, wasn't he? So, hey, what right? do they expect? Yeah, he's just <laughs> doing his job. Yeah. Um, question, who is the next person to die out of the list of people I've given you? Oh, I'm so jealous of Fern's, like, notes right now. I'm just like, <laughs> oh, shit, there was one called Johnny. There was a, there was a Nigel. Okay, so this was Edmund who died, yes? Yes. Edmund died first... Yeah, Deadmond. Because he yes. had Deadmond, yes. Because he had less money than everyone else, and his wife Grace was the daughter of Violet, who didn't like the barrister husband, who was Edmund. Is that correct? That is very good. Yes. Okay, I'm trying to look at that. I've kind of drawn a sort of Venn diagram. I don't know if you can see <laughs> I'm this. I'm impressed. Thank you. Violet had large children, and, <laughs> and who dies next? I think. Ah. Oh. It must be Tom, the son okay. who's an actor who wants to go to Hollywood. Yeah. Margaret. But they okay. were finding Croydon too difficult. I love that you've got everybody's names. This is just joyful. I'm a journalist. <laughs> I'm wondering if... Yeah, if you get this wrong, it'll be really embarrassing. Yeah, well, journalists get things wrong all the time. <laughs> yeah, like the real cops. Yeah. Katie, treat her like a magician and just tell her that she's right. no matter what um so i have this profile of violet that she's very possessive and she's trying to kill off all of the in-laws all of her children-in-laws so i'm gonna go for tom's wife grace the the american wife is called margaret Margaret. maggie the american i think she bumps off that of course you'd kill the yankee she probably meant to kill her first but she was so hardy was she was she from montana or something like that yeah, she'd be very um, nice and hardy up there, wouldn't she? Yeah. I'm imagining her there? with bangs. She's yes. Got bangs. <laughs> yes. She got 
Big old bangs. I always remember going to school when there was this girl at school that put so much um, hairspray in her fringe that it was like a letterbox, which always made me laugh. <laughs> that's by the by. Oh, like when the um, wind would blow? Yeah, oh, yes. that was my entire fucking high school. It was amazing. <laughs> How did we think that was okay to make it one solid thing? I know, I know. No um, bang so- left behind. <laughs> um, I think in in a little twist, I think it could be Violet who dies next. Okay, because maybe if it, if like what Fern says, it all happens on the same night at a barbecue stroke uh-huh. dinner party. She could have accidentally or deliberately killed herself. Maybe it was a kind of murder suicide. I Ooh. tell you what, H- Hannah George, hold that thought. The other two, I'm sorry, you are not correct. The next person to die is Vera. Oh no, I yeah. liked Vera. <laughs> sorry, I'm very disappointed in the way <laughs> that you have drawn this story. You have led us up many black alleyways. And I'm you have let me down and you've less, left all the girls down. <gasps> oh no! You have let the listeners down. And I want you to buck your ideas up. Okay, you know what? I've got the commissioner up my ass, you guys. You've got to, got to do better. All right. Now, give okay. us something sensible. Yes. I'm writing down arsenic. Death. Yes, okay. next. So, I'm sorry to tell you, Vera, the very happily single gay lady, is the next one oh. to die. Oh. I was hoping it wasn't Vera. Yeah, so months later, she starts to feel unwell. And Ooh. as you know, she had a very active and happy life. She goes on brisk walks. She plays bridge. She's got no man tying her down. And at first, she just starts to feel tired all the time, and she can't work out why, and it's very unlike her. Uh, and, and they then say, it's because you haven't got a good man. I mean, God knows. You'd be what full of energy if you had the love of a good man, Vera. Yeah. God damn it. You You're hysterical, whiskey. Vera. Yeah. You need yeah. some babies in your uterus and you'll be fine. Yes, you'll be Get fine. Get on the hysteria cushion. Bounce on it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> or let um, me do it for you. Those, those, doctors, <laughs> those doctors knew what they were doing. Nowadays, nothing. That's what they used to do, wasn't it? Help Ooh. the ladies. No, they oh, did. Yeah. They did. They, they, they invented vibrators because they were sick of doing it. I love the idea of trying to get a vibrator on the NHS. That'd be great. Yeah. Oh, yes. That's actually a very good campaign. We should start running with the Daily Mail. <laughs> Shit. Vibrators for all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not, not a woman in the land would stop that. And men would be happy too. <laughs> I heard a joke the other day. Um, the difference between a clitoris and a golf ball. A man will spend 20 minutes looking for a golf ball. Ooh, <laughs> that is a burn on men. <laughs> so Edmund, Vera, yes. Who's dead next? I have to tell you the excruciating details of Vera's death. Just because it will provide clues. Not because I want to dwell on it. She has bouts of nausea. By the 10th of February, she's too sick to leave the house. But she's not having it. She's made of strong stuff. So she forces herself the next day to go for a walk and play bridge with her friends. Oh, brisk walk. I know. And then she gets home. And now she has dinner with her mum, the matriarch, Violet. And this dinner is prepared by their housekeeper, one Kathleen Noakes. And they are having soup, vegetables, fish and potatoes and pudding. Uh, now, Ooh. both Vera and Violet eat everything the same except for one dish. The dish that um, they don't have the same is soup. So Violet doesn't have any soup, 
but Vera does. And also Mrs. Noakes, the housekeeper, has the soup and she gives some to Bingo the cat. So question, who gets sick? The cat and Vera. Yes, and Mrs. Noakes. And Mrs. Noakes. Yes. Yes. I just want to assure any cat fans of the podcast, the cat is fine. Wait, the cat's definitely dead by now. Like... (laughs) (laughs) Three days later, they have more soup. Grace, the widow of the Edmund Duff guy, comes to visit. She brings an aunt, Gwen. Grace leaves before they eat. The cook, Mrs. Noakes, makes the more soup with the same broth powder that she had used before. Uh-oh. And they have, like, real potatoes, whatever. Now, Violet doesn't eat the soup again. Gwen and Vera do. Gwen and Vera are sick before the meal has even finished. They blame the soup. Mrs. Noakes can't understand it. There's nothing visibly wrong with the powder. And she's Excuse me. Clean. Excuse me. Mrs. Yes. Noakes got ill, though, didn't she? The she night did, that yeah. Differ. But she survived. Yes. I feel like it's an outsider now. I thought this was in the family, and now I feel like it's a... It's an outsider with a vendetta who somehow had access to the kitchen and Mrs. Noakes. It's right. Mm. It's so weird, honestly, because like the, one of the reasons that this case is famous is because they seemed so close and they were ripped apart by somebody who must have been one of them. Or was it somebody who wasn't one of them? Like, so Vera's got agonizing stomach pains again. The doctor gets called. What does he prescribe this time? Is this the whiskey doctor? This is the whiskey doctor. What does he prescribe for Vera? Well, what do women get? If men get whiskey, women get like watered down bathtub gin. Laudanum. 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 Yes. No. Or kaolin and morphine, yeah? She gets morphine. Yes. Morphine is correct. <laughs> um, yeah. He's moved on from whiskey. I don't know why. Then they call in a specialist and they diagnose her as having gastrointerestinal influenza. They can't cure her. On the 15th of February, she dies. Question, what is the cause of death put down to on this occasion? I guess maybe influenza, because that's what they thought when, when he, she came yeah, around. So. It's still put down to natural causes at this point. Right. Question, who dies next? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Well, you've already said it's not bingo, so thank the Lord. Yeah. Is um, it, um, so it's not Mrs. Noakes or Auntie Wen? No. No, it's not them. Is it's it Violet? Her. Yes, it is. <gasps> Ooh, it's that's ma- a twist. It's matriarch Violet. Now, Violet is absolutely devastated by her daughter Vera's death. They were like best friends. Um, Vera was secretly her favourite child. Oh, um, my God. I'm secretly my parents' favourite child. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and also, you know, she was going to look after her in her old age. They lived together. They had like quite a sweet setup. So now Tom, the son, married to the American and Grace, the widow, uh, did what they could to help their mother through this terrible time. They both visited her every day. And Dr. Elwell prescribed tonics to palliate Violet's grief. Uh, but on Mars- Gin and tonics. Wow. I mean, <laughs> that would be better. On March the 5th, Violet was visited by Grace and Dr. Elwell. They had lunch. What happened next will amaze you. Um, <laughs> Drunk women solving crime. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. It was stomach pains again. So she starts to feel sick. And when Grace paid her another visit in the afternoon, she was surprised to see her mother looking pale and weak. Now, question what does Violet now say has happened? The matriarch Ooh. Violet. Who's yes. Who's now ill? She, she doesn't know she's dying, but she's saying, Oh, does she? That bloody cat. <laughs> Does she does she know she's dying, you think? She might do. Well, yes. So ah. she's now suspicious. So she makes an accusation. Yes, perhaps, she makes an accusation. Against Maggie, the American. She doesn't accuse a person, but oh, okay. she definitely Accuses, she, yes, something she, to do with, like, the cutlery or the crockery or the... Well, she, she 100% okay. thinks she's being poisoned. Um, she says, so she, I'm being poisoned. Oh, yes, okay. she says, I'm being poisoned. She's suspicious. There's too much now. And she thinks that she's the next victim. Um, and also this tonic that she's been given to make her feel better. She says that the last dose tasted odd. Oh, yes. so we think it's the doctor. Dr. Whiskey. Now he is going to be a suspect. So, What's his name? Dr. Elwell. Dr. Elwell Shipman. I've heard of him. <laughs> um, <laughs> So after after Grace hears what Violet says, she summons Dr. Elwell and then they examine the bottle. Question, does he see anything unusual about the bottle? Yes, is correct. Um, he's, he's sort of, it's he's got a sort big of, label on it saying arsenic. Yeah, it's like a skull and crossbones. It was really Guys, weird. I can't apologize enough. Uh, <laughs> mixed these up. When I first went to med school, there were five, six medicines top. But uh, it, I tell you what, now? I can't oh, keep up. 20, 30, can't keep yeah. up. Um, he saw a gritty sediment on the bottom. I once had like a nice bottle of wine, like once, and it had sediment in the bottom. Oh, yeah. And I thought that was proper fancy, but yeah. not so much in medicine. No. Now somebody was trying to poison you, Hannah. Oh. <laughs> um, but so he called the chemist who prepared the medicine and the chemist said that the tonic had a small dose of strychnine, but in such minute quantities that it could not possibly do any harm. And he confirmed that there was nothing at all wrong uh, in the tonic that could produce violet symptoms. So it must be that somebody has messed with it. Now, by the afternoon, Violet's illness was an alarming repeat of Vera's and Edmund's, vomiting, diarrhea, intense stomach cramps. Um, what does Dr. El... So question, what does Dr. Elwell suggest has happened? He suggests that someone's poisoning somebody. Oh, do you know what? Very close. Any other guesses from you guys? Or shall I reveal? Well, yeah, I think that he thinks that somebody's maybe... Um 
poison like poisoning the medicine the medicine is their way in i think okay close but no donut you guys he suggested it's food poisoning what oh, kind of oh. idiot is this doctor yeah it's wow. so hang on who's he having an affair oh fern britain that is a fantastic question and the answer is grace oh yes. wow okay. i was gonna get to this but you've got there already yes um, now we're talking okay well done. so violet dies that night okay oh, wow i mean that's a given that's fine we can brush it yeah that. okay question what is the cause of death put down to this time does this also get put down to natural causes or does it get... I think someone smells a rat at this point, don't they? Okay, okay, yes. Yeah. Suicide. Suicide and then Taylor? Unknown um, causes. Okay, so correct. This gets put down to suspicious. Suspicious. Ooh. The cause of death is suspicious. Um, so at this point now, Edmund and Vera's bodies get exhumed and this is when all the corpses get thoroughly examined um and as you know this reveals loads of arsenic poison now it turns into an investigation and they determined that the vehicles for the arsenic meant that these three had been to sp- uh, specifically targeted um, right. uh, because edmund uh, must have ingested his through either whiskey on his fishing trip or beer at home vera was the only person who loved soup although this feels a bit more dodgy because other people ate the soup and got sick but she loved soup apparently <laughs> Imagine um, that being like the thing people remember about you. So, oh, I love Tana. She was great. She loved soup. She bloody loved soup. <laughs> but also, like maybe in 1928, that was fancy. Like you couldn't get it yeah. in a tin. Soup Not was no. a big deal. Um, Signs you haven't lived life enough. She loves soup. <laughs> <laughs> Let's all raise a glass soup. of soup to remember our friend. <laughs> And then also Violet was the only one drinking her tonic. Looks dodgy, you got to say. Now, so someone wanted these three dead and they knew how to do it, but who? So now I'm going to recap our list of suspects for everybody. So number one, Grace. Motivation to kill her husband. Although they seemed happily married, she was rumoured to have affairs plural. And specifically this doctor. Was um, he married or was he single? He's single as far as I can tell. Okay, that's cool. Because um, he's young enough that a dude cannot have to get married. He's not a spinster doctor. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> so also, she may have been sick of being poorer than the rest of her family and wanted the inheritance. But counter to that, Grace derived little financial benefit from the deaths of her mother and sister. She gained a small life insurance policy from Edmund's death. Fun fact, the police found weed killer at her house, which contains arsenic. Um, and Ooh. she's also the only person that could have done all three. Okay, so suspect number two, Tom. Why is she the only person that could have done all three? Just because she was close enough that it's possible? She was kind of there for all three. Like, you know, looking good, Grace. Maybe, you know. Looking good. I mean, it's not looking good for Grace. Uh, So. Is it too obvious, though? Yes. But then, yes, is it too obvious? Yeah, if this. If this was Midsummer Murders, there's no way it would be great. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. So Tom, married to an American called Margaret, feeling restricted by Croydon life. Um, he worked as an entertainer with disappointing local gigs. And he has a strong motive for wanting to inherit from his family and go to Hollywood and chase stardom. In theory, he has the most to gain. And the police found a weed killer at his house too, which contains arsenic. 
I wonder if there's just a lot of weeds in South Croydon. Let's not. I mean, very <laughs> avid gardeners, you guys. Well, there's. Um, it's 1928. Like there's arsenic everywhere. Yeah, including yeah. people ingesting it voluntarily because they still yeah. think it's kind of like well, a little bit does you good in your it's tummy. It's going to help my skin. <laughs> Well, they put strychnine in something else, and the chemist said, "Oh, that's fine. There wasn't enough." Yeah, to go yeah, but does yeah. it do yeah. any that, good? That wasn't a lethal dose. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. I know it's it's a crazy world. Okay. okay, next. So number three, Violet, the mother, was reported to have had a hysterical nervous breakdown when her there husband abandoned is. her, and she had <laughs> always hated Edmund Duff, who Grace met through the ex-husband. Now there's a theory that she could have poisoned him, and then Vera, and then her and herself. Or did someone else do him? Did she just kill Edmund and then someone else killed her? You know, it could have been a split uh, perpetrator. because, Or maybe she just couldn't live with herself after she'd done it. So that's in the mix. Number four, the housemaid Kathleen Noakes. Um, now, she had actually given her notice at the time of the murders and she was desperate to leave the house. Uh, her reasons were that Violet was too old-fashioned and slave-driving as an employer However, she loved Vera, but how much, you guys? There are hints. There are hints. And I cannot be sure. And And um, I don't believe that Noakes is a suspect. No. I'm not feeling that. I'm not feeling the Noakes thing either. It's a Noakes from me. Although, (laughs) if she was going to, like, if she gets just a little bit sick, that really makes her look innocent. Like, if she was the killer, that's very clever. Uh, but she had no motive to poison Edmund. And even if she did have the... Although she did have the means to poison uh, Vera and Violet, she also got sick. And she doesn't inherit any money. Like, she's not on the inheritance list. Love is always more valuable than money. And I'm wondering yes. whether she was in love with somebody and maybe expecting a child, Dr. Elwell. Ooh. And they needed to kill people off. Dr. Elwell may have known that he was going to receive some money from the family, but meanwhile he was trying to kill them all because he was having affairs with all of them. Ooh, oh, yes. See, that's good. That's good. But someone was pregnant here. Definitely. Who was it? Bingo. Yes. <laughs> she had Dr. Elwell's litter. <laughs> Oh, just tiny little kittens and stuff. Tiny kittens. Yes. Adorable. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they became very good obstetricians. <laughs> and it's honestly, I can't wait for Pixar to make the movie. No. <laughs> okay, number five, Dr. Elwell. Okay. Um, having an affair with Grace because drama. Um, now, Elwell admitted to police that he and uh, Mrs. Duff, i.e., Grace, had been indiscreet, quote unquote. She was up the duff. That could, oh, she could, was a pregnant one. Could, it could mean that. And indiscreet means non-missionary. So like, <laughs> you took it from behind once. <laughs> like they got seen holding hands or something. Well, getting um, now, all, out after, of all those corsets and skirts, you know. Yeah. What's the quickest way? Oh my God. Did I just saw this on Twitter. Is this true? That the Spanish flu pandemic, after that, that was when corsets were gone. Because everyone had to isolate at home and they were sick of corsets and then they wouldn't wear them when they came back. And then people are saying, we're not going to wear bras when we come back now. Oh, yes. Wow. Have well, where's you... Fern going to keep all her stuff if she's oh, not wearing true. a bra? Yes, but I, I literally haven't worn a bra for about two months. I mean, oh. it's terrifying, but I can't be asked. Why There's would no you? There's no point. There's no point. The great COVID 
breast liberation. Yeah. <laughs> That's the other thing we should start. Yes. I can't remember what the one was at the beginning, but yeah. let's do this as well. Vibrators, okay. the Daily Mail. Yeah. Vibrators, Daily Mail vibrators. Seriously, you guys, the Daily Mail is the last people. They hate women having fun with sex. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, fuck yourself like we fuck the country. That's essentially <laughs> That's what... That's their motto, right? <laughs> so now after Edmund died, some people expected that the doctor would marry Grace. Um, and if this is true, the doctor could have a motive to want Edmund out of the picture, but what reason would he have to kill the other two, Violet and Vera? Number Suspect number six, no one. Uh, now in, a, in her book, Diane James, uh, this book is called Poisonous Lies, she argued that the arsenic found in the victims could have come from perfectly innocent environmental sources. As we've all said, everyone's chucking back the arsenic. Um, now, Edmund and Vera could truly have died of natural causes, just as the doctors originally believed. And Violet, unable to deal with the grief of her daughter's untimely death, committed suicide. We've touched on that as well. So you guys can now vote. Who do you think it was? The doctor and Grace are in cahoots and it's a plan that just took off. And I, th I agree with Fern. I think there might be a pregnancy. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with that. I think Kathleen has something to do with this. I don't know why, Ooh. but I think Kathleen and Dr. Elwell were having they were really in on it and trying to kill the whole family off because Kathleen knew where the silver was kept okay mm. nice okay Love it. that's a good theory it's not true though is it no it's exciting <laughs> no it's exciting we will we will get to this unless sure. Grace and Grace and Kathleen were lovers mm. oh I like Literally, a big conspiracy this could just be like a whole banging session that's got out of hand <laughs> is there any other kind <laughs> it has never been my pleasure to know sadly I know I was just thinking like mine have all been pretty in hand they're <laughs> usually my hands it, uh, well <laughs> um, okay so I think I think it might be the doctor I've got Shipman on the brain and I'm thinking that it could be a doctor because I think within society particularly then you wouldn't suspect them so if he's got oh, I don't know particularly if he's you know he's into great well he's having an affair with Grace yeah I feel like he'll just anything in his way he'll just be like all of his like like um the things he said so far like have Felt a bit hokey, like I okay. know, like whiskey and stuff, but like yeah. it is like what nineteen twenty something. It's because like, remedies are all liquid. Inoculations by now. It's <laughs> suddenly come to me: the person you've hardly mentioned, in fact, you did it in just one sentence, yeah. was she says returning to her notebook of seventy-five pages. Thank fuck for <laughs> that. That Violet yeah. was she had the barrister husband, and he yeah. left her. <gasps> yes. All the way back. All the way back. And so is he involved? Is the That's barrister a... husband of Violet who left her with three children, large. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> <laughs> he managed to kill most of them off. Perhaps it's something to do with Violet's ex-husband. That's really That's interesting. A, That's a good That's guess, a... actually, because no, no one else has said that. That's a very good um, question: Is anyone convicted? There's too many what ifs, and you have to have like no doubt, don't you? If it's in a jury, and there's so much doubt along all of them. Yeah. yeah. Okay. This feels like a cold case. Just the way you've delivered it, okay. I feel yeah, like yeah, there's yeah. not a conclusion, which okay. is really frustrating. Correct. Now, 
Um, it's in everything that you guys have said is kind of still also spot on because Grace, being a high class lady, outranks a doctor in 1928. No mm-hmm. way! Yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah, doctors weren't respected until like rich people got poor. The police thought it was Grace, but okay. she was so posh, and they did not have enough evidence. And they couldn't go after her unless they had enough evidence because she and was such a high rank. She was a lady. She was Wasn't a lady she? as yes. well. Yes. And you cannot talk to a lady. So basically, like, because like, this is a really famous case in Croydon, but also beyond Croydon. Um, <laughs> so there's, like, there's books, there's articles, there's shitloads of stuff. Everyone basically predominantly favours Grace as the most likely suspect. Uh, she was vivacious. She was beautiful. Um, she died in 1973. Whoa. Oh, wow. And there's correspondence with the Metropolitan Police um, uh, that says that Edmund Duff's wife was the main suspect. And there's a letter written in 1993... Uh, that states Edmund Duff's wife was and still is strongly suspected of being responsible for all three deaths. Another family member who survived one of the poisonings and who had thought that the inquest insisted that other people were responsible for the murders said it at the end of the inquest. They also believed that Edmund Duff's wife was the murderer. The sample letter continues stating that although the circumstantial evidence was strong against Edmund Duff's wife, it was not considered then by the director of public prosecutions to have been strong enough to have brought about a charge. Because basically, don't go after a rich person unless you can kill them. Because otherwise, you're going to get buried. Wow. There's so many reasons I want to be rich, but there's... (laughs) (laughs) We have lots of avenues and no answers. And as Tom Sidney's wife, Margaret, said, the American, who can say who did it? That is what she said. What a great great actor. Yeah. 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 Who can say who did it? I love it. All Vera could say is, I like soup. So, like, that's quite quite astute what she said. (laughs) So, the the Croydon poisonings inspired one of Agatha Christie's most acclaimed novels, Ordeal by Innocence. Oh! And it all happened at 29 Birdhurst Rise, Croydon, England, but that house has since been torn down and is now flats. Cheers! Cheers, guys! (laughs) So we worked hard for nothing, really, didn't we? The real perpetrator is Katie, who set all that up for us and left us not knowing anything. I'm sorry that there wasn't proper closure. I mean, I've set up an incident room here. I have bits of white tape, (laughs) pins to photographs. I've got a map of Croydon, 29 Birdhurst, close. The whole lot. What am I going to do with it now? No, now it looks like you did it, Fern. I'm just thinking of your daughters coming back and you've got these notes like arsenic, arsenic, dead man, <laughs> large children. Right. You have really disappointed me, Katie. Oh, me? shit. Not again. Imagine someone saying that to you when you're not a magician. <laughs> this is awful. <laughs> That's also, it's really good for me because this is what it must feel like for my children all day. I've taught my children all the swear words, everything. And oh my, my, my youngest one, who's now 18, she said, do you remember that time I went to school, mum, and I said to my friends... My mum says it's better to say cunt than douche. Yes! God, that's amazing. I said, did I say that? She said, yes, you did. I said, well, I was right. I'm right. Absolutely right. I mean, like, yeah, I I stand by it. Come on, teachers. I love that. That sounds like me. I don't want to suggest the title of your next book, but that. (laughs) Drunk women solving crime. 
on that note, <laughs> I will move on to the last portion of the podcast. And now this is a listener crime. Somebody has written into us. Actually, do you know what? This circles back to some of the stuff we've said. I will read this to you guys. I'm just going to open is... up my envelope and do it on the inside now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like a true detective. She's, this is the best detective we've ever had. Right. <laughs> All those other detectives for chances. That's Listeners, crime. Yep. Yes. Hang on, Sarge, I ran out of forearm. <laughs> <laughs> I got it right on my shin. Yeah. <laughs> on my inside of my lip. Now, this is from Anita. Hello, lovely ladies. Thank you very Ooh. much. We are lovely Correct. ladies. And uh, now she says, I'm not sure whether you still want listener crimes, but here goes. Just for the record, yes, we do, Anita. And everybody listening, we still do need listener crimes. Please give us lots more listener crimes. Thank you very much. But it was sweet that you checked. Um, so I don't know if you need listener crimes, but here goes. About eight years ago, I arrived home a day earlier than my family from a great week away. I opened up my front door to find a note from the police saying we had been burgled. I went into my house and saw they had smashed one of the glass doors at the back of the house. At the time, we had a hamster. Having got over the shock of being burgled, I then discovered that the hamster was dead. It had got too cold as the door was open and it was October. This is a brutal, brutal story so far. Going upstairs, they had thankfully left my daughter's rooms alone, but had tipped out all the stuff in our bedroom onto the bed. Apart from one thing which they had helpfully left on my bedside table, my vibrator standing (laughs) proud. (laughs) Wow. It was a source of great amusement to the police officers when they came back. Needless to say, I disposed of the item before my husband and girls arrived home the next day. Wow. That is the end of her email. So we have to work out who would have done this. Who well, was... I'm going to go back on what we just said. These guys were douchebags. <laughs> <laughs> who sticks a vibrator up in the air like, meh, 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 meh. That's really, that, that irks me. And they right. killed a hamster. Oh, yeah, they're they're... 100% men. Could you imagine women finding a vibrator and be like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> There is a perpetrator. There definitely is a perpetrator. There's definitely a perpetrator. Probably plural. Ah, someone who was very jealous of the of Anita. Ooh. For the happy family home she had. And the pleasure she was having. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, you know what? Anita's got it all. Yeah, she's, got, she's having an active life. <laughs> she's got a hamster. She's got sex with a dildo. She's got she a gets family. to leave family holiday a day early, which yeah. is fucking genius. <laughs> she's living exactly. her best life. That journey home on her own, listening to the radio. (gasps) She can listen to anything she wants. There's no kids pulling each other's hair. She She doesn't need a vibrator. (laughs) (laughs) I'm coming just talking about it. She's going home for the vibrator. But also, the the children aren't going, don't sing, mummy. You know, all that when you really want to sing in the car. Yes. Yeah, or is that just me? Don't sing, mummy. Don't sing. It was us. We're so jealous. Yes. (laughs) Somebody's- My daughter has just started doing that, like, don't sing. She's only six, and I thought it would happen much later, and it just, it really hurts, because she sings all day, and she improvises songs and does this nasally thing. She's like, oh, yeah, baby, yeah, and I, I just want to be like, you suck. <laughs> I have a better voice. I deserve to sing, and I can't say anything. I feel like the perps are male, because they're like middle grade laughing at dildos. Yeah. 
And also, I mean, but I think they're probably professionals in the sense that they're like, right, the kids' bedrooms have got shit. Like, you Ooh. need to go to the parents' bedrooms. Like, Okay, they um, were quick in and out. Yeah, I think they, they sound like sort of maybe professional robbers who, you know, like there's the wet bandits yeah, what, in um, Home Alone. Alone. Is this the yeah. training for our detectives? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, but wet, they're called the wet bandits, bandits, aren't they? So they have a, a calling card and maybe... Yeah, flooding their the Like their no. calling card is putting the dildos on the bedside tables. Oh, well, yeah. possibly. But why did they target Anita's bedroom? Mm. Yeah. Well, we don't know what was taken. So they might have taken jewellery or, you know, we only know about the hamster and the dildo. And I guess, you know... But they are because- misogynists because only a misogynist would feel the need to... As we know, it's not yeah. that easy to balance a dildo, no matter what the size. Sorry. <laughs> she said vibrator, not dildo, and we know there's a difference. Um, we don't know if it was silicone. We, you know, different, different materials. Different horses, different courses. Exactly. But it is not easy to balance it up like that. Yeah. Like, that was a very deliberate, we're in that a hurry, but I have time to say to that you are a woman and I hate what you're doing yeah. here. Uh, Anita is being uh, faithful to her husband, is she? Yes, apart from with this dildo, as far as we know. Okay. Was the husband being faithful to her? Do we know? We don't know. No. These are good questions to ask, though. What if she left holiday a day early for a dalliance? Maybe they have an open relationship. (laughs) Well, maybe. Or maybe it was next door's, I don't know, adolescent son who had a bit of a thing about her and wanted to go yes. and have a look in her bedroom. That that actually could check out. Or maybe the I hamster. Mean, <laughs> oh, oh, no, no. <laughs> I mean, his little hands just trying to. <laughs> he got he got rattled to death and then crept downstairs oh and then was rigid from the cold. Oh my god! The hamster had one hell of a ride before he, he did. Died. He did. Bless him. I love the fact that as well, like the, what do the police put a note through your door, like from Royal Mail saying, we're sorry we miss you. You've been burgled. (laughs) The back door is still open because your hamster is so cold. Yes, and they would have boarded it up, you know. The police would have boarded that up, definitely, Mm. because they do. So it must have been a very recent... Ah, oh. before they got to the boarding. I always remember my mum getting up when we were kids. She got a phone call from the police saying, someone's broken into your car. And then we went and checked and it was just the state of the car. <laughs> no one had broken oh in. my God. <laughs> it, never, it never had a radio, so it had all the wires. And they're like, someone's nicked your radio. And my mum's like, yeah. That's, that's how we live. <laughs> Accidentally wasting police time with her own shitty car. That's Hang on. amazing. Taylor's had a thought. What? What? I think I've solved it. Okay. And it's much more benign than we ever expected. Bring us home, Taylor. Bring it's us not, home. It's not professional robbers at all. Because if they were, I feel like she would say more than just the hamster and the dildo if like they'd stolen thousands. Of da, da, da. So here we go. She hired like a local teenager to feed the hamster while they were gone. The teenager was like a pothead, forgot to do the job, um, came, found the hamster dead because he had neglected to feed the hamster and thought, I better make it look like there was a burglary, (gasps) smashed the window and then thought as blackmail, I'm going to put this vibrator I found on her desk so that she's so ashamed she will look no further into it. It is Teenager Ted. <laughs> oh, oh my! That is. I don't great. know why, but I wrote it down. <laughs> teenager oh, Ted. Teenager Ted. 
We've never solved one before. Well, yes, right. we have, Hannah. Come on. <laughs> okay, this is the second one we've ever solved. <laughs> so, Anita, I'm very sorry. You need to take this up with Ted. Um, <laughs> we solved that. Um, but now we have just enough time to ask Fern Bridden, what are you up to? Is there anything you want to plug? For any more books, where can we find you? Bless you, bless you, bless you. Yes, so June the 11th, new book, yes. Daughters of Ooh. Cornwall, is out. I am Lovely. at the moment reading the audiobook, so that's exciting. Nice. Oh, I've been nice. recording that all day today. And um, so it'll be on audio and ebook and hardback. And uh, that's June the 11th. Did I mention June the 11th? June the 11th. June the 11th. June the 11th. Daughters of Cornwall. Amazing. Right? Write that down. That's good. Write that down. And then I'm, st I'm starting to write the new one, which Ooh. will be for. Mm, 2021 okay and um that's going to be an absolute blockbuster and be a musical and a film and everything Hunts, not douches uh, yep yes <laughs> yes yes and my sweet peas are growing really well because i started them in october so i'm well ahead of the Ooh. game with those oh wow and i'm cycling uh land's end to john o'groat september 21 how's that wow Oh, oh that's, this is yeah. amazing. This is amazing. What was, what's the book? Daughters of Cornwall. Daughters of Cornwall, June the 11th. Yes. June, June the 11th, Daughters of Cornwall. Oh, is the, is Fern, the one in, you're living in, my best life. Oh, in, bless the you. The book in, in 2021, is that a sequel or is that another standalone book? That is going to be a standalone and it's a true story uh, that I think of as enormous interest. <laughs> and everyone I've ever said it to goes, that's really of enormous interest. Yeah. I say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they pick up their drink and leave. But, um, <laughs> but it is, it's going to be good. I, well, I'm very Ooh. excited about it, put it that way. That's okay. very cool. Okay. Daughters of Cornwall is the next way we can hear what yes, you're doing. Yes, that's based on my family. My grandmother, I discovered in my 20s, uh, because this man wrote to me, he yeah. was the son that she had abandoned <gasps> and she wow. had to give him away and oh um, then go on to have another family. And so wow. it's about that. Yes, I know. It's really good. Really wow. good. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. This is amazing. Okay. So Daughters of Cornwall, June 11th. This sounds incredible. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm excited <laughs> about that. And in the meantime, I'm just doing like the rest of us, just sitting on my ass and enjoying <laughs> this this order that I have. And I think most of us have been given to stay put. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, and that in some ways is frustrating because I'd much rather be helping somehow. But if this yeah. is helping, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> yes oh, and thank you for spending some of that staying put time with us this yes. has been so much fun thank, thank you, you. Thank, you so much. thank you thank you Hannah <laughs> thank you Katie thank you Taylor I've really enjoyed it thank you Drunk Women Solving Crime is produced by Amanda Redman music by The Lion and the Wolf if you would like to you can follow us on Drunk Women Pod on Twitter on Facebook and Insta we are Drunk Women Solving Crime and please review us on Apple Podcast and also if you have a crime that you would like us to solve write it on a review on Apple Podcast as well. Thank you to ACAS and thank you for listening. Bye! Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.